You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 35. See Martin Crocker and the new Venom trailer. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie. Watchers and welcome to episode 35 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Yes, Brian, we can finally run for president. 35. <laughs> and so, got a couple things to talk about today and I did want to start out with an article that I saw online. It was about C. Martin Croker, who passed away Saturday. It would have been July the 28th. And first of all, I did want to bring up, I know a lot of the Geek Watchers out there are probably wondering... Is he going to talk about somebody dying at the beginning of every podcast? <laughs> every episode. Uh, hopefully not. Well, but, people should just quit dying. Yeah. yeah. I did want to bring this up for a specific reason and something I thought we could talk about today. The article was written by Holly uh, Aguire. If I mispronounced her last name, I'm sorry. But her and her brother knew Croker. Uh, if, you, if you don't know who C. Martin Croker is, uh, he is known mostly for the work that he did for Adult Swim in their cartoons. He was mm-hmm. the he did the artwork for Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Okay. And he was the voice of Zorak and Multar for Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Okay. And, yeah, those both have kind of like the same stylized, frozen, framed, and just their mouths moving kind of animation to them. That right. very distinct looking animation. Right. And, of course, he carried that on to Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where he designed those characters mm-hmm. also. And Space Ghost Coast to Coast was really the beginnings of Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of the mood and characteristic of animated series that we saw in Adult Swim and and those type of themes were really... C-Lab 2020 Mm -hmm. and, yeah. A lot of that came from that first show, Space Ghost... 2021, forgive me. C-Lab 2021. Right. But a lot of that came from Space Ghost Coast to Coast and a lot of the work that Croker put into it was instrumental in getting Adult Swim to where it is now. And so... He passed away at 54 with a heart attack. Oh, wow. He's pretty young. Yeah. Which comes to the point of what I wanted to talk about. And I'm going to put a link to the article in the description so you can read the article. But one of the things that it really talked about in the article was basically what the day-to-day life for Croker was as an artist. Now, for somebody who contributed so much to Adult Swim and had a lot to do with its success and put in a lot of hard work into the work that he did for Adult Swim, one might think that he was probably in a good way financially. Yeah, like Seth MacFarlane or someone. Right. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. Let me just say this to start everything out. Now, Mandy, you and I are both artists in different ways. I Mm -hmm. mean, we have day jobs, but we... And I think as geeks... Sometimes we forget the fact that a lot of our geekdom and things that we appreciate and enjoy about our geekdom, artists work very hard to create for us. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we either forget or have no idea the type of life that artists have to go through. Sacrifice, yes. Exactly. And this article absolutely just drives home just how bad his situation was. The main thing, of course, was he didn't have any insurance. Could, uh, couldn't okay. afford, could not afford any insurance. Right. The article begins with her describing a text she got from her brothers, say, "Get to Clay's house now." And Clay is who you know his first name and what they, how his friends referred to him was Clay. 
And by the time she got there, he had already died. And she talks about how bad she felt like it, her, his birthday was almost a year ago and he looked sick then. And she felt bad about not saying anything about it. But fact was, he didn't have any medical insurance at all. Right, and the medical bills are scarier than the symptoms that you're dealing with. Especially if you can't afford to pay anything. (sighs) And something else that they talked about was he had a bad tooth and basically had to medicate it with borrowed medications. Because he couldn't afford to buy, he couldn't Mm -hmm. afford to buy pills. And the thing is, this is not unique with artists. A, A really good friend of mine who's an author Brian Keene, very successful writer, very popular writer, and a lot of his stuff is now being translated into the visual medium. You know, not any kind of a slouch, but he doesn't have medical insurance. And about a month ago, he got caught in a fire, burning brush, and he got badly burned and wound up in the hospital. Oh, no. And he doesn't have insurance, so he's got a bunch of hospital bills he's got to figure out how to pay for. Did he have to go through graphs or anything? They did use artificial skin on him. He had second and third degree burns on his arms, on his head, and his face. At this point, he can't even go out in the sun without having a lot of protective clothing because he would just... Mm -hmm. I mean, even warm water from washing dishes would make his skin break out in blisters. Oh, wow. So, see, what you have to understand about art, guys, and Mandy, you certainly know about this as (laughs) well as I do, is artists put in a lot of work in the hopes of getting paid. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially in the beginning, you will paint, you will write, you will draw, you will create with absolutely no promise that any of the work that you put in will be compensated for. Now, in the beginning, that's understandable because you're learning your craft and you're not really producing work that's ready for prime time yet. Maybe not the the word quality, maybe not be the correct word, but yeah, you you know, it's very new. It's very... uh, Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're definitely learning your craft and... Everybody starting out learning how to do something, they're not that good at it. And so you have to have that time to develop your craft. But, you know, eventually you get to a place where people are interested in your stuff and you may, with a combination of talent and luck, and you can't underestimate luck in this process because a lot of it has to do with being in the right place at the right time. And there's no way you can bottle that or teach that. You're just, if you're lucky, you're lucky. Mm -hmm. If that happens, maybe you can start making a little bit of money doing this. But then it's not like the gravy train just rolls in because you're not getting a regular paycheck. It's not like you get hired in a day job. Think about people working a day job. I mean, you wouldn't go to work in the hopes that you get paid. You have a payday Mm -hmm. and you know when that payday is coming. When you're an artist, you don't have any of that. You put in work and once they like the work, then you get paid. Maybe. Mm -hmm. This happens a lot, and of course this happened to Croker, and something he talked about is he would set a rate that a lot of people thought was just way too low. He said, you need to be charging more than that, but he basically sent a bare-bones rate, which apparently, according to this article, Adult Swim sent back saying, wait, that's way too much, and paid him maybe <laughs> a fifth of what he asked for. Ooh. They really, really load-balled him, mm-hmm. but who would go to their day job and work 60 hours in a week to make sure that a project was finished, decide to bill for 40 hours, and your boss comes back and says, well, I only see 10 hours worth of work here. I'm going to cut you a check for 10 hours. And then they cut him a check eventually. 
even when you're in a situation where you're getting paid on time, mm-hmm. it's usually quarterly. And then you're still wanting that gratification of you still want your product out there. You still want your right. art to be seen. So you allow yourself to be treated that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a huge part of why artists tend to get shafted as much as they do because they get this in their mind. If they can just get their stuff out there and people see it, mm-hmm. things will turn around. and. The problem is that industry and business, they're in the job of getting stuff out there and making as much money off of it as they can. And so if they can lowball an artist, they will. And they do almost constantly. And, you know, C. Martin Croker was like the best example of that. They got into the habit of in the article, they put this in quotes of losing invoices, that he would send them invoices for stuff. And they were like, we don't know where they are. Can you rebill us? Mm -hmm. Just anything they could do to delay having to to write him a check. (laughs) The reason they do that is so they can get their stuff out there and make money on it and get kind of a buffer so they don't have to pay for the work until that work starts making money for him. Mm And, I mean, I can tell you writer friends of mine who would just rather spend their time writing stories and books and doing their editing, but then they have to spend time talking to a publisher, asking for royalty statements Mm -hmm. and not getting them, Mm. and being run around to a point where this could go on for years. until. So is that maybe, is that when they need an agent? Is that when they need... A lawyer? What's the step in between that? Well, normally if you have an agent, the agent will take care of hassling the company. Mm -hmm. But very often, the problem is if it gets to a point where you need to hire a lawyer, most lawyers aren't going to deal with these kind of issues because there's not enough money to be made in a lawsuit. Mm. The biggest thing that writers are having to do in these situations where a publisher goes out of business They're not as worried about getting their money as they're worried about getting the rights for their book back Mm -hmm. so that they can take the work somewhere else to another publisher to get it published, to get it put out there so that people can buy it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not bad enough. They don't even get paid for it, but they can't use it for anything else while they're still under a contract. Mm -hmm. So they're just hustling just to get the book released out of contract. Wow. I mean, it can be insane, but... That's just apropos of how poorly that artist can get treated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real reason why you see a lot more independent artists that are using platforms like Patreon that are releasing their works by themselves, Mm -hmm. that they're not... Maybe they're just doing eBooks on Amazon. They're doing eBooks Mm -hmm. or they're self-publishing or they're putting their music out on SoundCloud. Whatever that they're doing, they're trying to become the producer and the distributor as well so that they can avoid a lot of of the issues that artists go through. Because the truth is... If a company can, they will screw the artist because they feel that the artist side of the project is not that important. It's the marketing, <laughs> it's the pub, it's making it popular. And artists have bought that mm-hmm. and they've bought the line of exposure and mm-hmm. to the degree that, and I've had writer friends who've sent stories in and been paid back in exposure and called <laughs> it paid for exposure. <laughs> it's like... We're going to publish your story. We're not going to pay you for it. I mean, we're going to take money for it, but we're not going to give you any money for it. But hey, think about the exposure. (laughs) Well, folks, people die of exposure. Mm -hmm. 
I, I bring all this up, I guess, to make a point to the non-artist geeks out there. Sometimes we really do take for granted the hard work that's involved in creating the stuff that we love to the point that sometimes we, in trying to save a buck, we're willing to pirate a movie or download a PDF of a book. But the truth is, if you are an artist, this is how you make your money. Mm -hmm. This is how you pay your bills. Like, this isn't information. This is... This is somebody's this livelihood. Is entertainment. This, this is entertainment. Uh, this is someone's intellectual property. This isn't just information. Right. And if it's valuable enough for you to steal, then it has value. And if it has value, an artist who created that valuable item should be compensated for it because it allows them to create more. And without being able to pay your bills or pay your medical expenses, you can't create. And for all the talent that C. Martin Croker has and had, for all that he was able to contribute to Adult Swim and literally just create the platform that everything that Adult Swim has now and everything that people enjoy and even animated shows outside of Adult Swim that kind of took that formula and made their own thing. And so we lose that talent because we didn't nurture it. We didn't take care of it. We didn't give him the money he needed to, to take care of himself. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that to a lot of our artists. And Especially in times like this, we need our art. And if we don't take care of our artists, if we're too wrapped up in getting something for nothing and stealing it, whether you're a corporation or you're somebody in front of a PC, the problem becomes at that point that we are slitting the throat of the things that we love. And the problem's going to be if you don't take care of your artists, they go away, whether through sickness, illness, death, or just basically out of frustration, they quit creating. And I've seen that too. I've seen artists who have been ripped off so many times, they stopped making things because what's the point? Mm -hmm. But I did want to bring that up. I did want to talk about Croker, who, of course, he passed away July 28th. And I wanted to bring it up, of course, because of the object lesson that I think that has to teach all of us. And so before we go, I did want to talk a little bit about yesterday, the new Venom trailer came yes. out. Yes. The mm -hmm. third trailer. Right. Which I thought was... Weird because, of course, they didn't have anything for Comic-Con. They waited about a week mm -hmm. for everything to cool down from Comic-Con to post this trailer, which I can see the advantage of it mm -hmm. because it's not being crowded out by everything else. But the hope is that there's still a little bit of buzz to be had, that it hasn't all died down at this point. So whether it's a good or bad strategy, well, I guess we'll see. But I saw the trailer. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, after watching it, it's sort of a, a yeah for me. <laughs> because not that I necessarily hated what I saw. I mean, it gave us more of Venom because there was that rumor forever that you're only going to get five minutes of Venom at the end. And they were like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Here, look, there's more than five minutes of Venom in the trailer. Hey, okay? Godzilla did that, and that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who you talk to. Oh, okay. Um, the other thing, too, that I noticed from the trailer was after all the complaints of Symbiote, <laughs> yes. I was one of those complainers. <laughs> yes. Well, in the trailer, they're saying symbiote. And I'm wondering if they didn't go back and dub over all... AFR? Is that the correct term yeah. for... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That they didn't go back in and mm -hmm. just and redub everything so that you weren't going to hear symbiote. 
Right. And as you know, it comes from the word symbiosis. Right. Which means two things uh, that cannot live without each other. Right. And uh, I had always heard symbiote. The first time I heard it was in Stargate. But as Mm -hmm. I understand, it was maybe in an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the same thing, that there was a symbiote inside of a... Yeah, the the, uh, trill. Yeah, apparently they made some changes in the Venom based off of some of the things that they... Probably heard complaints from the first two. Right. And going back to my impression of the trailer, my feeling of it is, if you're interested in seeing the movie, nothing in the trailer is going to make you more excited, and I don't think anything in the trailer is going to make you less excited or even possibly talk you out of seeing the movie. Now, if you're not a big fan of the movie, I don't think there's anything in there that's going to really talk you into it. Mm -hmm. In fact, it may convince you more that you shouldn't go see it. I think negativity bias it will run rampant in this trailer. If you think it's going to be a bad movie, there's going to be that line at the end. You're going to roll like a turd in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an odd... It's an odd it is an odd line in seeing and yeah. seeing the smile that creeps up on mm-hmm. Venom's face when he says it. It's like Okay, that was yeah, just kind of weird. Who penned that line? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Should they be uh, proud of themselves <laughs> for it? Yeah. You know, I was one who was pretty much indifferent. I was neither excited, like, yay, Venom, or like, boo, I don't want to see Venom. But honestly, watching it, I feel like I would have enjoyed this movie had they taken out the sci-fi element. Because if you take out the Venom part of it, you've got this reporter who's going in to look at the secret experiments. Right. And then, you know, he gets caught up in it himself. So I wouldn't mind watching a movie about that and seeing how he finds his way out of that. That's a movie I would enjoy. I don't really see Venom becoming part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the reason I say this is because, as you know, just recently, the stockholders for Fox and for Disney have voted for the merger. Mm -hmm. And because of that, though, a lot of the Fox Marvel movies that they had in the pike, it looks like that they're getting shelved. The Dark Phoenix movie Mm -hmm. looks like that they're completely shelving that. And they're also going to shelve the New Mutants movie. Now, what I find interesting about that is supposedly word got to Fox from Marvel, from Disney, Disney, Mm -hmm. that you might not want to make a horror movie with superheroes in it. And that's what New Mutants would have been? Yes. Okay. It has a very strong horror element to it. It's it's basically a horror movie with young kids with powers in it. Okay. And apparently... Disney kind of leaned over to him and said, hey, look, if this merger goes through, you may not want to start putting money into this movie because it's probably not going to see the light of day. And it looks like that's what's going to happen is that this movie is going to get shelved. Now, Disney's going to be doing a streaming service. And so the Dark Phoenix saga and New Mutants may wind up on that channel, but they'll probably never see a theatrical release. If that's true, if they basically killed the New Mutants movie because of its horror elements, I don't see how they turn around and make Venom part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Because it definitely looks like it's going to have a lot of those horror movie tropes in it. Just that one line where he looks at the store clerk and says... I have a parasite. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. the word parasite. You can be funny with it and say, yeah, it's a tapeworm, but not here. No. no. You're just seeing a scene where Venom is threatening to eat the arms and legs and the face off of somebody. Yeah. And there seems to be a serious indication that he did, in fact, eat the arms and legs and face off of somebody. 
So I don't see how that becomes part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe unless there's going to be a major shift in the way Marvel's doing their movies. And let's be honest, kids, is there any reason for them to make any kind of changes? I don't think so. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. You can see where the Marvel movies tie in. I mean, it does feel like that world, that same world. But you look at at least the, the trailers I've seen for for Venom, it, it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, it does look like it would attach better to the Netflix series, the darker Netflix series. Oh, but the Jessica Jones. Jessica the, Jones, Daredevil, and that mm-hmm, sort of Punisher thing. Punisher now, too. And mm-hmm. the Punisher. But one thing that is pretty obvious if you watch the Netflix shows and you watch the movies Although you do get references to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the TV shows, there's really no cross-pollination. You're not, I don't think you're ever going to see Daredevil in a, in a Marvel movie. I think that those worlds are being kept apart on purpose because tonally they seem to be different. And so there's lip service given to them all being in the same universe. But to my mind, I don't feel that way when I'm watching one of the Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm watching something that's... That Thor is going to show up, you know, and right. save Jessica Jones. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of see some of that stuff happen in the ABC shows. Because it is closer to tone to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And so Sith can show up. Right. They're prime time. They're weekly. You know, right. um, Netflix is a binging yeah, kind and, of and all at once. And yeah. they're using a, a... They have a darker, more adult tone. Mm-hmm. And so where you can see crossover stuff happen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, I don't think you're ever going to see any of that stuff in the Netflix shows. Mm -hmm. Even a minor cameo, I I just don't see that happening. Right. Certainly not a major one because that's a lot of money to have somebody pop, you know, (laughs) you know. You, you, you're you not going to bring Robert Downey Jr. into Hell's Kitchen because that's going to cost them a lot of money. (laughs) So where Venom is going to fit into all this, I don't know. Also... You know, how good a film this is going to be, I have no idea. I have been lied to Mm -hmm. by trailers before. So we'll have to to wait and see. That's all we can do, because as of right now, this could go either way. There is no telling. But I hope that they're not going to keep going back and making changes to the movie as they start getting these pre-reviews. That becomes like Wolverine Origins. Yeah. (laughs) Reshoots. We need more reshoots. Yeah. I mean, there's a a point where you can't just keep chasing the fans all the time. Obviously, you want to make a film that the fans enjoy. You need to care about what the fans want. But at the same time, you've got to give them what they don't know that they want. Mm -hmm. Not saying that that's what's happening in Venom, but I did find it rather amusing that they went back and and changed Symbiote. Right. But... And not that that would have killed the movie for me, but I'm just glad that I'm not going to have to cringe every time I hear that word. <laughs> I'm glad you're not going to have to cringe. Cause right. Because apparently it was going to bother you even more. But, yeah, it would have. But I guess we will see what we will see right. when it happens. And so we come to the end of episode 35 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, 
as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.